Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So in taking a, a, a brief hiatus in hitting the pause button on Philippians, um, I want to talk to you today about something the Lord's laid on my heart, and I believe that this is for our church. So I, I say welcome to those who are here, uh, to those who may be visiting. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're back uh, and, 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 and haven't joined with us, if this is your first Sunday back from uh, quarantine and COVID, welcome. Isn't it good to be here? It's wonderful. Um, and I want to say hello to the people that are watching us online. Today's message is for our church and, and for those who call High Country Christian Church home. But I don't want you, if you don't call this church home, if you're watching us online and you live in another state, I don't want you to feel excluded. This will still apply to you, okay? But it's definitely a message for our church. And I hope that it encourages you. I hope that it challenges you today. And I really think that you're going to get a lot out of this, all right? So I want to ask you to lean in with me today. Can you lean in and press into what God wants to say today? If you could, be on the edge of your seat spiritually. That's the way I like to say it. We, when we were kids, we would always talk about leaning in and pressing in. And I thought, you know what? Maybe somebody doesn't know what it means to press in. How about this? Just be on the edge of your seat spiritually. Can you do that? So I want to start with a story and then lead into our passage. About, uh, about six or seven years ago, while both of our wives were out of town with our children, which happens uh, once a decade, um, my, my friend Perry and I went camping in the Linville Gorge. And if you know where that is, it's a little over an hour outside of town, and it's one of the last true wilderness p- places around us. You can go to Linville and feel like you're really in the middle of nowhere. We didn't go to a campsite. We hiked for two hours into the gorge and found a spot next to the river and set up our stuff. So it was a, it was a great time. It was a time for us to just really rough it, you know, and we felt like men. It was, it was, uh, it was early September and the mornings were cold and crisp, you know, but the days were still pretty warm and we had a great time. We, we had to ford the river. The bridge was out. Praise God. That's awesome. So we had to go through the river with chest-deep water with our packs over our heads. Man, we felt like we were really conquering the world. We got our tents set up. He was in a tent. I was in a hammock. I'll never forget this. We had a great night by the fire. We ate the food and the snacks that we brought, and finally it got dark, and we went to sleep. And about 5 a.m., I hear Perry's voice, Thurman, Thurman. He's in his little one-man tent. I'm sleeping in a hammock with the hammock flopped over me. And uh, he goes, Thurman, wake up. I thought, oh, dear God, there's a bear. Or there's coyotes. Or he got bit by a rattlesnake. I don't know. And he didn't read Jonathan's scripture, you know, Mark 16, and and he got bit or something. I don't know. I said, what's going on? He goes, dude, it's raining. I said, oh, no. So I jumped out of the hammock. We got our stuff. I got the hammock torn down, got my stuff, and, and, you know, I got in the tent with him. So it wasn't, what, wasn't weird or anything, just two best friends and two wet packs sitting in a tent while it started to rain. And, of course, it was still dark. We still couldn't really see things. And, and uh, we just decided to, weigh, to, to, to hunker down and to weather it out. And so it started raining, and then it started raining harder, and then it started raining harder and harder, and it kept raining, and it kept raining, and pretty soon the sun had come up, and it kept raining, and it kept, and mind you, we had a plan of what we wanted to do that day. We were going to hike around and, 
hang out by the, by the river. And, and it just kept raining and kept raining. And now it's probably 7.30, 8 o'clock. The sun is up. We've been sitting in this tent for a couple hours and it's still raining. And so we looked at each other and we just kind of said, well, we can't sit here forever. We can't sit here forever. And so we packed up the rest of our stuff. We got out of his tent and packed up his little tent and we put our headlamps on because it was still like foggy and misty and, and we set out in the rain and had a two and a half hour miserable rainy hike out of that gorge. Was one of the best times I ever had. Got back to his car and we put all our junk in the back of the, of the car and, you know, took off just about everything we were wearing, get down to the bare essentials, you know, and got in the car, closed the door and just turned the car on, put the heat on. We started to relax and then we did what anybody would do in that situation. We drove back to town, went to Waffle House and ate so much food we couldn't move. It was, it was a great time. We were in a pretty rough storm and Though we spent the first part of that storm weathering the storm, there came a moment when we needed to get up and move on. We got to a point sitting in that tent where we looked at each other and we just said, we can't sit here forever. The title of my message for you this morning is, we can't sit here forever. The Holy Spirit spoke this word to me this week. There are certain parts of a storm that you weather. And then there are certain parts of the storm that you push through. There's certain parts of the storm that you weather and there's certain parts of the storm that you push through. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we've been in a bit of a storm the past five months. We've been in a storm. Have y'all felt the raindrops? Yeah. Have you, have you heard the thunder? Have you seen the lightning? We've been in a storm for the past months and usually at the beginning of a storm or a crisis, the beginning of the crisis, the beginning of the storm is characterized by reaction. How will you react? How will you respond? I know you've had negative things happen to you in your life, and, and usually the first thought that comes to your head is like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We've got to respond. Something we didn't expect happens to us, and now we need to have a response to it, right? That's what happens at the beginning of the storm. We react oftentimes, like Perry and I did, by hunkering down and by going into survival mode. Is everybody okay? Are we, you know, everybody still here? You know, Thurman, Thurman, get out, of the, get out of the hammock. Get into the tent with me. Let's take stock of our stuff. Let's make sure none of our stuff's getting wet. Let's hunker down for a minute. Let's, let's take inventory here and see how we're doing. I know probably... You, like me, when, when COVID first started happening and this whole situation kicked off a few months ago, you probably did what I did, which was to stop and go, are we all still here? Are we okay? We went into, how many of you went into survival mode? Yeah? Yeah, everybody that hoarded toilet paper should raise their hand, <laughs> right? We went into survival mode, Okay. I saw a great meme on the internet. It was a, a doctor and a patient, and the doctor said, you've got this disease and it doesn't look good. And the, and the uh, guy in the picture said, that's impossible. I have over 300 rolls of toilet paper at my house. 
I don't know why toilet paper was the thing that everybody went for, but that is proof positive, right? That's proof positive that people react when something negative happens to them and they go into survival mode. It's the natural instinct. It's, hey, it's raining. Get in the tent. Get your bag. Don't let anything get wet. Let's, let's hunker down. We stop to take inventory and we go into self-preservation mode and survival mode. And the thing is that when we're in survival mode, we're not looking at the vision and we're not looking at the purpose of our lives. We're just staying alive like the Bee Gees, right? We're just staying alive. In survival mode, our attention is temporarily diverted to where we are instead of where we're going. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a very important thing to do. You need to take stock when something comes against you that you didn't expect. You need to take inventory and you need to stop and say, wait a minute, how am I going to respond to this situation? But that survival mode, that hunker down attitude becomes dangerous if you stay there too long. It's good to have a reaction, but at some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, we can't sit here forever. I believe that it's time for us as individuals, and I believe that it's time for us as a church to start moving forward again, to get up, to look at ourselves in the mirror and to look at each other and say, you know what? We can't sit here anymore. We can't sit here forever. Listen, guys, i got to make an announcement to you this morning just in case you hadn't heard, the shell shock of 2020 is over. Okay? It's August. We're here. You figured out how to shop. You figured out how to go to work or work from home. We figured out how to get our groceries. We figured out how to keep surviving. And now we're at a tipping point in our culture where we're either going to slide backwards into complacency or we're going to get up and move forward. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the shell shock is over. Reaction season has officially ended. It's like hunting season. It's here for a little bit. And then, you know, the day comes and the season's closed. Reaction season, I'm, prophes- I'm prophesying over your life right now. Reaction season is closed. It's time to get back to the vision. It's time to move forward. We can't sit here forever. Amen. I really believe, listen, I really believe is what God is speaking to our church. And I don't believe it's just our church. I think there's lots of pastors that are experiencing this. And I think there's lots of people around the country and around the world who need to be told that it's okay, that it's time to get up and let's move forward. I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm hoping that we feel challenged and stirred up and encouraged this morning that it's time to move forward. We can't sit here anymore. I think it's a word for all of us, amen? I think it's a word for you here. I think it's a word for you watching on the internet today. For anybody that hears this on a podcast later, this is a word for you. You've got permission to move forward. Now, how many of you, by a show of hands, and this is for, again, for anybody watching online or listening, how many of you feel a little bit complacent, a little bit apathetic right now? Just raise your hand if that's you. I'm gonna raise both hands because it's me, okay? Right? I've had conversations with 
a lot of people over the last few weeks, and I keep hearing similar things. I'm not motivated, Pastor. I just feel a little bit complacent right now. I don't really know what's next. And to be honest with you, I don't really care that I don't know what's next. I'm just figuring this out. I also hear this, Pastor, I'm afraid of what's next. I'm concerned about our culture. I'm concerned about our country. What's it going to look like this time next year? What's it going to look like in America five years from now? There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hunkering down. And I'm here to tell you that if we're not careful, it will lead us into a place of complacency. And I want to I tell you that I believe that one of the greatest tactics that Satan has as a weapon against the church in the time that we're living in is not COVID-19. It's complacency. It's apathy. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. Out there in the world, COVID is dangerous. It's not dangerous in this room because this is a COVID-free zone, by the way. Just in case you didn't know, I just wanted to remind the devil that he can't come through the door. Amen, that we're protected by the blood of Jesus. But out there in the world, sure, COVID's dangerous, but it's nowhere near as dangerous as apathy. It's nowhere near as dangerous as, the, as complacency. Sometimes our over-dependence on our own comforts draws and sucks out of us the godly desire and the motivation to move forward. I heard a a teacher that I love and value very much, Dr. Fount Schultz is his name, and he said one time, he said, you know, if you're not careful, the blanket of comfort will become the grave clothes of the tomb. He said, if you're not careful, the blanket of comfort will become the grave clothes of your tomb. I reminded of a... Of a uh, a poem or a, a quote that I heard years ago from my friend David. He was my boss for about a year and one of my real good friends. And his grandfather told him this quote, and I don't even know who was originally the one that quoted it, but he said this, on the plains of indecision, bleach the, bleach the bones of millions who at the dawn of decision sat down to wait and in waiting died. It was such an amazing mental picture. It stuck with me. Could you imagine looking out over a field and seeing millions of bones and going, who are those people? Well, those are the people that right when they had a chance to make a decision, they decided to wait it out and they just sat there till they died. Sometimes our over-dependence on our comforts draws out of us the godly desire and the motivation that we need to move forward and to grow. Have you ever felt... Like you just have no motivation to do the thing that you know you need to do? Anybody? Yeah. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. Right, right, right. Let me give you some unsolicited advice. If you've ever felt that you're lacking motivation to do what you know you're supposed to do, it's probably a sign that you've been comfortable for too long. It's usually a sign that you've been comfortable for too long. You know it's always harder to get out of the bed the longer you've been in it. Come on, how many, how many non-morning people do we have here this morning? I'm a morning person. I'm like, is, you know, four o'clock, is it, is it 4.30 yet? Can I get up? No, the longer you sit in bed, thank you for that one laugh, whoever did that, appreciate it, appreciate it. 
No, the longer you sit in bed, the more comfortable it is, the harder it is to get out. Pastor Josh, are you against comfort? No, I'm really not against comfort, not at all. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit, or God, is the God of all comfort. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter, right? So I believe in comfort. I believe in comfort. I believe comfort is so important when you need it. In fact, I wrote it like this in my notes. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. It says that comfort is good for you when you're hurt, but comfort can hurt you when you're good. Let me say it again. Comfort is good for you when you're hurt, but comfort can hurt you when you're good. You see, comfort is what's needed and what's necessary to get us back to the place where our lives are stable. Comfort is what you need at the beginning of the storm when you're taking you know, a, a, a inventory and when you're checking on what it is that you're, that you're dealing with. How do we react? You know, this is The shell shock has hit us. We, we don't know what we're going to do. We need to take stock and we need to hunker down. That's when you need comfort. But there's a moment, a tipping point that happens where comfort actually becomes hurtful to you when you get stable. That's why the Bible says in the book of James chapter 1 that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when, when you need comfort, the word will come and comfort you and you'll hear it and you'll go, man, this is what I needed. This is what's building my soul up. This is what's encouraging my spirit. I feel good because the word has come. And if you're not careful, you'll get around a bunch of other people who need comfort too. And y'all will just sit there and talk about how good the word was that you heard. And five years later, you realize we haven't done what we heard yet. The Bible says that the person who's a hearer of the word only and not a doer is the person who actually gets to the place that they're deceiving themselves. Comfort is good for you when you're hurting. But don't ever let comfort start to hurt you. Let's be doers of the word. You see, there's got to come a moment where we say, well, we can't sit here forever. Amen. Just like Perry and I did that day. We said, hey, we can't sit here forever. Yeah. I want to um, drive this home with a story from the Old Testament that comes from 2 Kings. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, or you can follow us up on screen. I, today, I'm, I'm not reading from New King James like I normally do. I'm reading from the NLT. And this is a story of Elisha, and you can follow on the screen or... In your Bible, it says, Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. Apparently that was a deal. And 12 quarts of barley grain will only cost one piece of silver. Look at verse 2. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Yikes. That's some hardcore unbelief, isn't it? But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now here's where we're going to, verse 3, this is where we're going to connect these two, this, the story that I had and the story from the Old Testament, okay? Verse 3, check this out. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. 
We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. Sounds pretty hopeless. <laughs> Thank God for the blood of Jesus. You don't have to be like those guys. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they then panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents and horses and donkeys and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Basically, they plundered an empty camp. Finally, they said to each other, verse 9, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. I think you can probably understand why I'm tying these two thoughts together. As, I, as the Lord brought back to my memory this camping experience that I had with my friend, in addition to that, I remembered reading this story years ago, and I remembered the, the statement that those leopards, lepers, not leopards, not big cats, <laughs> lepers that they made, which was, why should we just sit here and wait until we die? I'm not going to suggest to you that Perry and I, that our lives were in danger by any means, because they weren't, but we knew that there was some waffles waiting for us at Waffle House, and we just said, hey, listen, man, this storm doesn't seem to be letting up. We can't sit here forever. I want to give you four points that you can take away from that word that we just read today that I hope and pray will stir you up and cause your faith to rise so that we can all come to the place where we can honestly say to one another, we can't sit here forever. It's time to move forward. It's time to get back to the vision. Verse 2, if you'll put verse 2 back up there on the screen, gentlemen. I'm going to say this one and get it out of the way because it feels a little bit negative, so I'm going to say this one first. It says, The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the, windows, or if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You'll see it happen with your own eyes and you won't be able to eat of it. The first point is, Unbelief will get in between you and God's word and try to prevent you from experiencing it. Yes. Amen? Listen, we got to be on the lookout for unbelief when it comes around. Amen? Because unbelief is the thing that will try to wedge itself between you and between the word of God so that no matter what God is saying, you don't get to experience any of it. These guys, this person who was, you know, assisting the king, probably a fairly important person in the kingdom, is mocking what Elisha is saying and saying, king, don't believe that. There's a, don't you see there's a famine in the land? Why, why in the world should we believe the promises of God? There's a famine in the land. That couldn't happen if God opened the windows of heaven. 
Clearly, he never read the book of Genesis about when God did open the windows of heaven and it rained on the earth for 40 days and Noah built an ark so that he and his family survived. You want to know what happens when God opens the windows of heaven? Deluge. You want to know what happens when God pours out his blessing on your life? There's not room enough to contain it. That's what Malachi chapter 3 says. You know what God said? You know what happens when you believe in the words that God has said? You get to actually experience them. You know what happens when you believe that, that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed? You get to be healed. You know what happens when you believe that the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him? No evil shall befall me. Come on, Psalm 91, y'all know it. No evil shall befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. You know what happens when you believe that? You get to experience it. So what happens, guys, is when we allow unbelief to, to wedge itself between us and the word of God, the word doesn't change. Our experience does. The word stays exactly the same. God's willing to protect anybody that'll believe him. Amen. So number one, unbelief will get between us and God's word and will try to prevent us from experiencing it. Number two, this point comes from verse four. Verse four, you'll see it on the screen. Listen to what the lepers say to each other. This is very intelligent. They say, we'll starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. The second point that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is that your situation and your condition are not the same thing. Your situation and your condition are not the same thing. Too many people confuse the two. What you are experiencing and who you are are not the same thing. These guys got the great idea that, hey, now this was a negative for them, okay? Their condition was that they were dying. Your condition is not that you're dying, okay? Hopefully. Uh, but <laughs> but they got an understanding. They realized that our situation and our condition are not connected. We can change our situation. That's what they realized, they said, why are we going to sit here forever? Yeah, we're dying, but why don't we die somewhere else? Let's, let's at least see if we can get a hot meal before we die. Let's get up and let's, let's go surrender to the Aramean army. See, they understood that their situation and their condition were not the same thing. Listen, I tell this to my children. You might be having a bad day. You don't have a bad life. Your situation and your condition are not the same thing. You might, listen, you might be having a bad day. I'll bet you're not as depressed as you think you are. Maybe you just need to get up and change your situation a little bit by changing your environment. Maybe instead of being a couch potato and nailing down as many Netflix series as humanly possible over the next 48 hours, we should maybe get up and do something different. You see, these lepers had a moment of brilliance. They said, wait a minute. Our situation and our condition, though they feel like they're the same right now, they're actually not. Your condition is that you're a son or a daughter of God. 
If you're saved this morning, your, your condition is that you're bought by the blood of Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. you got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. He is making all things new in your life. You have an amazing condition. Maybe you just need to change your situation. Maybe you needed to be reminded this morning, and I needed to be reminded this morning, that our situation and our condition are not the same. We can't sit here forever. The third point that I want to leave you with comes from verse 8. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp... They went into one tent after another. You, you, we read it. You know what they did. They plundered all the gold and the food, and they had a party. They had a party. Ten minutes ago, they're sitting at the gate. Their fingers are falling off because they got leprosy. They're just absolutely in a terrible situation. And they say, wait a minute. Let's, let's just see if the Arameans will give us some food. And they get there and find out God had done something while they weren't paying attention. Oh, man, don't you love the verses in the Bible where you see God do something while they weren't paying attention? How many of you, come on, can I get a better amen than that? How many of you could look back over your shoulder in life and go, you know what? God did some really cool things while I wasn't paying attention. God orchestrated and he moved some things around and he reshuffled the deck and he propped me up for success and I was just, you know, cooking dinner. I wasn't even paying attention. I love when God steps into our world and he steps into our reality and he begins to shift things around and we didn't even know what was going on. Here they arrive at this empty camp full of hot food and money, right? I mean, these dudes roll up on an empty mansion, okay? And they just go, guys, look at the fridge, it's full, right? It's like an episode of MTV Cribs. Those are who, who are old enough to know it and not too old to know it. Um, MTV Cribs, man, they rolled up on an empty mansion and they said, look at all this food and these spoils and all this amazing stuff. Let's get it. This third point from verse eight is that there is a reward for those who risk getting up and moving forward. There's a reward for those who recognize that we can't sit here forever. It might feel like a risk to stand up and move. When Perry and I were in the tent that day, we went back and forth. Do we stay or do we go? Should I stay or should I go now? You know, yeah, it was in your head. Don't lie, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was, it was, thank you. We, we had that discussion. We had those thoughts. Should I stay or should I go? There's a risk. We're gonna get soaked if we go now, but we're gonna get flooded if we stay. What do we do? You see, there's a risk or what feels like a risk in getting up and moving forward, but there's always a reward for those who are willing to take a step. The reward was for them, listen, catch this, catch this. The reward for them was that they got to plunder the tents and collect the spoils. The reward for us is that we get to walk with Jesus and take part in his vision. You see, for them, the, the, the reward was temporary. It was temporal. For us, the reward is eternal. 
For us that are willing to get up and say, we can't sit here forever, we gotta get back to the vision, we gotta get back to business. For, for us who are doing that, our reward is we get to take part in the nations coming to Jesus. We get to support people like Jonathan who are making a difference in all over the world. We get to take part in outreach in our city, in our community. We get the joy of walking with Jesus and taking him with us into where we live. His vision is our reward. The fourth point is verse number nine. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. The fourth point is that the reward really isn't satisfying until it's shared. Oh man, y'all missed a great place to say amen there. The reward isn't, I'll give you another chance. The reward isn't satisfying until it's shared. Jesus wasn't meant to be hoarded. You see, their, listen, their spoil was gold and food and all the stuff that they needed in the moment. Our reward is that we get to live a life with Christ. And we get to take that life with Christ into our world and begin to see change around us in our families, on our job, with our neighbors, with our community, with the people that we're connected to. Guys, it's time for us to get serious about evangelism. Do you want to know something? The world right now is afraid because of the situation that we are in as the church we can't afford to join them in their fear. Jesus isn't meant to be hoarded. He's meant to be shared. It's time for us to get serious about winning our neighbors for Jesus. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? I'll bet you it would be easier today than it was six months ago for you to get somebody saved. I'm not saying that to, you know, make you feel guilty or anything like that. But I bet you a thousand bucks, it's easier for you and for me to lead somebody to Christ right now. The reward isn't satisfying until it's shared. Now, as we close today, let's talk vision for a moment. What does it mean for us, what I'm talking to you about today? I hope this is blessing you today. Amen. What does this mean for us? means that it's time to press in. It's time to lean in. Amen. It's, time to, it's not time to retreat. It's not time, can I say it this way? It's not time to isolate. It's time to press in. It's time to lean in. The vision is clearer and stronger and more direct now than it ever has been. It's time to lean in. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. If, you, if you're not a prayer person, be one. Amen. Can I just say it to you that way? You know, some people are like, I'm a prayer person, or I'm a prophetic person, or I'm a word guy, or I'm a word girl, I'm a, I'm a worship person. I'm a, whatever person you are, just try on prayer for a little bit. Okay? If you're not a praying person, start right away. It's time to pray. It's time to get serious about evangelism. I just mentioned that a moment ago. 
Time to get serious about winning people for Jesus. Listen, the reward is never, it, it never feels as good. It's never truly enjoyed until it's shared. Don't hoard Jesus. Let's get serious about letting everybody around us know. It's time to use your gifts and your callings. Amen. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. It's time to use your gifts and your callings. It's time to, it's time to get active. Amen. Time to get active. And finally, it's time to find a way to challenge the status quo in our lives. Find a way to challenge the status quo in your life. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you pray for five minutes a day, start praying for 10. If you read your Bible once a week, start reading it five times a week or three times a week. Find a way to challenge whatever the status quo is in your life. Whatever the normal is, let's find a way to challenge it. Because here's what I've found when we, when we challenge the status quo, that's when we get to experience the reward. Amen. It's stretching. That's right. The lepers had to challenge their own status quo. They, they said, this seat here, this place we're sitting by the gates is really comfortable. But we're dying. Let's move. Find a way to challenge the status quo in your life. Now, I got three minutes on my timer left, so I'm going to try to do this in three minutes. Timers be darned. Let me just talk to you about vision for a second because I want to close with this. We got some stuff that the Lord's reminded us of. This week, I was taken back to the vision. This week, the Lord put the vision right in front of my face and said, this is why we're here. This is what we're all about. This is what our church is for. This is what we're doing. Y'all remember what the vision is? Y'all remember that, that at the beginning of the year, we talked all about what God was gonna do. Remember we talked about the transformation of life happening in our community. Do you know that that hasn't gone away? Amen. That hasn't changed. Y'all remember the four points of our vision that we have? Remember we want people to know Jesus and then we want people to get connected to the church and to each other and then we want people to discover their gifts and their callings and then we want to empower people to put those gifts to use and make a difference. You remember those four things? Know Jesus, get connected, discover your purpose and make a difference. That hasn't changed. That's still here and God brought me front and center and, and reminded me this week this is what you're here for. Because I could even feel myself starting to get in, into that complacency. Of just, oh man, we're just going to go through the motions again this week. Uh, just, let me just get my message ready for Sunday uh, just so I can know that it's there and we'll just get through Sunday. If we could just get through set up and tear down, if we could just get through another message and hopefully we get through this series and listen, I, I, I'm not going to take the, the perspective that the world's coming to an end. Amen. I'm just not going to, I refuse, because the world out there needs to know the Jesus that lives in me and lives in you. We got a job to do. So let me tell you about this vision. We're launching at least 
Three new small groups in September. Everybody needs to be a part of one of them. We're, we're getting back to the vision. We're done hunting. Listen, I'm telling you, shell shock season is over. Okay, it's over. We're doing at least three new small groups, maybe more. We'll see what God says. It's starting in the month of September and everybody needs to be a part of one of them. And if you're passionate about small groups, maybe you need to lead one of them. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Listen, look for an email this coming Wednesday about small groups. We have a process for that and the details of what you'll need to know for small groups will be in an email that's coming to you this Wednesday. If you haven't gotten on the mailing list and the email list, see me, see Brianne, see Tim, see somebody so that you don't miss out. Second thing is that our next steps class is going online. We're gonna record it in such a way and, and post it and present it so that when new people come to the church, they're gonna be able to take it online if they, if they have to be gone for a Sunday or if they can't be here. Everything that happens in person will be duplicated online because we want every single person to know exactly what God has called our church to do. And that's what Next Steps is all about, is to help people get connected and to discover their purpose. Additionally, at the conclusion of our Philippians series, I'm going to teach Next Steps class curriculum as a series so the whole church is going through it all together. Cool? As soon as we finish up at the end of the month, we'll finish up Philippians and we're beginning of September or some point around there. And as soon as we're done with Philippians, we're going to teach on Next Steps and you're going to get to hear from the horse's mouth what this church is all about. Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Finally, we're hosting 21 days of prayer and fasting at the church office beginning on August 16th. We're going to be praying every single morning here for 21 days for 45 minutes. We're going to start at 7 a.m. and go from 7 a.m. to 7.45 to make sure that you can still get to work on time. And we're not going to dilly-dally. We're going to get here. Prayer is going to start at 7. It's going to finish at 7.45. We want to respect your time. And, I, and here's my promise to you. We'll brew your coffee, okay? We'll brew your coffee for you that day just to make it easy. You can give your coffee maker a three, three weeks off, Jonathan. You can just, we'll take care of it. Each prayer time will be structured so that you'll know what we're going to be praying about. We're going to pray for leaders. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for our state. We're going to pray for our governor. We're going to pray for the city council and the mayor's office. We're going to pray for our police. We're going to pray for our university. We're going to pray for all the, all the professors and the leaders and the chancellor at ASUs. We're going to pray for teachers. We're going to pray for social workers in the city. We're going to pray for everything under the sun that God has directed us to pray for. We're going to pray for you and you're going to pray for us. We're going to pray, 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 pray for 21 days. And I promise you, your life will dramatically change if you commit to 21 days of prayer. You say, Pastor Josh, seven o'clock is early. Yeah, it has to cost you something or it won't do anything for you. We're not going to, we're not going to pray for six minutes at, you know, 11 o'clock in the afternoon when you're on your bathroom break. Hello. We're going to come and pay the price. We're going to come when it, when it feels uncomfortable because we're going to be intentional about seeking God together as a community of believers. And I promise you, your family will change. 
your attitude will change. Maybe you won't get offended about things the way you've been. Maybe, you, maybe you'll start to notice that there's more joy in your life. I was praying in the Spirit this morning by myself and the house was dark and I started after a few minutes, it had been 10, 15 minutes of praying, just me and God, and all of a sudden I noticed the joy of the Lord started to percolate up on the inside of me. And I was immediately reminded of Psalm 16, which says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And the Lord spoke something to me I'd never heard before. I said, Lord, whoa, that's joy, Lord, I feel that. He said, every time you feel the joy of the Lord, you can know that you're starting to experience my presence. You're starting to benefit from time in my presence immediately when you start to sense the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You want to be strong in the coming days? Join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll give you more information about that. As a matter of fact, an email containing all the details and the sign-up sheet, sign-up information was already sent out this morning. So if you check your email at the end of the service, you'll have an email from us. And you push the button that says sign up and come join us for 21 days. Amen. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.